Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Inside Inter-Miami, the Miami Herald's Inter-Miami podcast. I'm your host, Andre Fernandez, Deputy Sports Editor, joined as always by our Miami, our Miami Herald Inter-Miami beat writer, Michelle Kaufman. And for once, I can't believe I'm saying this, Inter-Miami did not win, which is very, which has been, we're not used to that. I mean, they have been in situations where they have had a draw after regulation before, but you had the luxury of going you know, it's extra time or PKs, and they always found a way to win. Not that same feeling, a feeling of a uh, little bit of left on the table disappointment last night after a draw, 0-0 tie with Nashville in the rematch of the League's Cup final. And it kind of just shows you, Michelle, let's start talking with that. Um, you know, it, this is going to be hard of an uphill climb if they want to have a shot at making the MLS playoffs because things like this can happen, especially going forward when, you know, Lionel Messi played last night, but him, he and some of the other stars, we know that the break is coming up for them to join some of their national teams, too. They're not always going to be around. So what, what was your takeaway from last night and what can this team do going forward? Yeah, I mean, three of the night they had won nine games in a row. Three of them were in penalty kicks. So, you know, now we're back in the league play where a tie is just one point. There's no PKs. There's no Drake calendar to pull off heroics during the penalty shootout. You know, if they tie, they end up just tied with a one, you know, one point. And that's really not what they wanted. They need every single point that they can get. And, uh, you know, they did actually gain one little point in the standings because they were, when the league started again before New York, they were down by 12 points. Now they're down by 10. So, they're still in 14th place. They have to get all the way up to ninth place to make the playoffs. So that's still a very big leap. They're 10 points away with 10 games to play, and they need some help from other teams. What I took away from that game last night is, number one, Nashville, their coach, Gary Smith, just had a great game plan, which is the same game plan that they used in the League's Cup final also, which also ended up in a tie in regulation. They basically just packed the back. They parked the bus in the back. They have nine or 10 players playing defense. You know, they just basically clogged up the back and made it very difficult for the Miami attackers. And you could just see their frustration. Even Lionel Messi, who is, as we saw, he had scored 11 goals in nine games. And this is the first game that he was held scoreless. And he kept trying and trying. Every pass that he made would run into a wall. His free kicks were bouncing off their wall. You know, you have to give credit. You must give credit to Nashville. It wasn't pretty. It was not the most attractive type of soccer, but that team finds a way often to tie games and to frustrate opponents with their defense. And, you know, Gary Smith didn't even start Mukhtar in the first half. We're talking about the MLS MVP. We're talking about one of the leading, you know, scorers in the league. He chose to sit him for the whole first half to go with a much more defensive uh, lineup in the, in the beginning of the game, all the way through the first half, they were able to keep Miami at bay for the first half. Then they bring in Mukhtar and you could see what an impact he had immediately. One minute later, he makes a run and almost scores. Then he looks like he scores, but it's called for an offside. Then he, you know, is involved in another play that looked like it was going to be a goal. So, you know, they're, they really had a good game plan, Nashville, and you have to give credit to that. It's not just that all of a sudden the Miami players don't know how to play and can't connect on passes. You have to give credit where credit is due, which is Nashville played. Yes, it was ugly, 
It was frustrating for the Miami fans and obviously the Miami players and coaches, but it worked. It worked. This is the first team that was able to keep Miami off the scoreboard and able to keep Messi from scoring. And in fact, he was so frustrated that, you know, I don't like to read too much into little, you know, uh, Twitter videos of like three seconds that someone captures something on a TV. But I will just point out for whatever it's worth, after the game, Mukhtar went up to Messi and went like this, like with his shirt. He kind of like tapped him, went like this with his shirt, like you want to change shirts. And Messi, I'm not going to say he pushed him. He didn't push him, but he just kind of brushed past him. I mean, he was in no mood to be changing shirts with Mukhtar or maybe with anybody from Nashville after that game. He was very, very frustrated. And once again, it shows, I thought that his demeanor during the whole game and, and even after the game, he was very frustrated was the word I would say. It shows how much this does mean to him. You know, anyone yeah. who thinks that he was coming on a vacation, we've said it before, he is not here on a vacation. This guy really wants to win wherever he goes and he's not just here to collect a paycheck and to you know and to satisfy the sponsors he is here to win he gets very upset when they don't win which this was the first time that they don't win since he got here in 10 games this is the first time they don't win and uh you know tata said afterward that you know in a way they were spoiled they were getting too accustomed to winning trophies getting into finals winning the game against new york win 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 happy feelings happy feelings happy feelings after every single game even if it was a struggle like you said this time is the first time they walk away angry and frustrated that they settled for a tie to them it felt like a loss i'm sure for nashville it felt like a win to be zero zero with this team for nashville felt like a victory for Miami, it felt like a loss. So yeah, I mean, it showed that that Messi is mortal. I put that in the lead of my story. Messi is mortal. He is not superhuman. Uh, he was not able to score against this very tight, tenacious Nashville defense. And I uh, talked to Kamal Miller after, who had a fantastic game, by the way. He mm -hmm. saved an incredible, I mean, that would have been a goal. He did not made that slide tackle. But uh, he said, that they're going to have to get used to this because all the other teams are going to watch the this tape of this game and they're going to try to do the a lot of teams are going to try to do the same because yeah. Nashville showed that this is a way to slow them down. Yeah, and and they are kind of they are fortunate it wasn't a loss because like you said the Miller save then there was another one where they were a very late offside call where they actually did score yes. and it was waved off. So very easily Nashville could have come away with a victory but You've seen all the teams in the MLS, Michelle. I mean, can this be a blueprint for anybody to copy, or or how much do you think that can, or is this a blip, or can they really carry this over? Well, I mean, I don't think I was actually talking about this with my husband today on our morning walk. We talk about Inter Miami a lot on our morning walk. Um, you know, yeah, I, I'm sure that a lot of teams could go into a game and say, let's just do what Nashville did. I don't think all the teams are gonna wanna do that. Uh, teams want to score. Teams want to play offense, more offensive-minded teams. I mean, Nashville is a defensive-minded team. They always are. That's how they play. Um, I don't think a lot of teams are going to want to just sit back and sit back and sit back and wait for the counter, but there will be teams that do. I mean, this is definitely a recipe, especially maybe the teams that they're competing with for those last playoff spots. Um, those teams, you know, behooves them to stop Miami however they can. 
even if it's ugly and even if it's frustrating uh you know i think that i don't think everybody will do that and, and we're gonna have a special guest today kevin baxter from the la times to talk to preview the la game uh on sunday which is a huge game um and you know that team is a very offensive minded team i don't know that they're going to want to take you know those players are going to want to just sit back but i do think some teams will try to do what they did or at least some variation of what they did because it clearly worked it worked the first time and it worked again the second time and the other thing that i was thinking about is that this is the only team that's playing miami for a second time and you know maybe that that awe that aura of messi they got over that in the first mm. game and now they're playing them for a second time and they know going into the game you know what yes he's all that but we tied them in regulation and it took 11 rounds of pks for them to beat us so i think that nashville team having already played them and played them very well and gone to a dramatic pk shootout with 11 rounds they came into this game with confidence knowing that they were capable of playing with these guys you know as, a, as opposed to other teams who have only played them once i think nashville had the advantage also this is the second time that they've been on the field with messi so it maybe was not as daunting as it was the first time Right, they're gonna, they're all gonna start getting over that messy hangover, if you, if you will. Like they're, you know, the mystique and everything's gonna fade, and you know, you're gonna see it from, especially from the skilled teams, from the better teams in the league, like Nashville, like a Philadelphia. Let's say if down the road there's a meeting like that, um, and little by little, I think teams will adjust, and that's where it's gonna be dependent on Inter Miami to do the same and adjust to them little by little. But uh, talking about that playoff picture a little bit, you know, again, still very far below the playoff picture, the one point. Last night showed that one point is really not going to cut it. They need to get results the way they did in New York against the Red Bulls, and that's going to be harder and harder because on a, on the good note, individually, we saw Ben Hub, Benjamin uh, Kermaski, and Drake Callender both get the call to the U.S. national team. But like them, Messi and others are going to get called away pretty soon on the, on this uh, this patch where teams are going to play for their national sides. So how does Inter-Miami keep it going when they're going to be missing, they're going to be shorthanded a lot? It's really going to test their depth to keep it going, especially since they have no margin for error pretty much. Yeah, I mean, the Kansas City game, when you looked at the calendar at the beginning, uh, the Kansas City game looked like a game that is a winnable game. It's a team that has not done as well this season, and it's a home game for Miami on September 9th. However, Tata was saying they're basically going to have 12 field players, and you're going to be missing Drake Callender. Drake Callender right. is going to be in camp with the U.S. I mean, we're talking about arguably, you know, he and Messi, you would say maybe the MVPs of this team. Uh, you know, Drake Callender has had an unbelievable season again last night, made an incredible save. You know, they're not going to have him. The, the starting goalkeepers is likely going to be C.J. Dos Santos making his debut, you know, kind of in a must-win game. Uh, you know, this is a guy who hasn't had any experience and he's all, all of a sudden going to be starting. So that's going to be a huge loss. Then Messi is going to be out. Kramaski is going to be out. David Ruiz is going to be with Honduras. Uh, Gomez, Diego Gomez is going to be with Paraguay. Um, and uh, who else? Robert Taylor is going to be with Finland uh, with their national team. Kristoff, who didn't play last night, he's been injured, but he's supposed to be getting better. Kristoff is going to be with Ukraine. Uh, you know, there are a lot of players who are going to be missing with their national teams. Yedlin was not called in to the U.S. national team. He's one that I had listed as, as probably going to be missing. He's not. He was not called in. So you will still have Yedlin 
in the back line. I think Kamal Miller, I don't think Canada has any games. So you will have Miller, who's playing very, very well. You'll have Miller, you'll have Alba, you'll have Busquets, um, and you'll have uh, Yedlin. So those are all key players that will still be there. The, the, the goalkeeper is going to be a brand-new goalkeeper. And then up front, this is the thing, up front, uh, Joseph Martinez is also going to be with Venezuela. So Joseph Martinez is going to be with Venezuela. I'm not sure if Campana is on the Ecuador team. I have to check if he's been named to the team or not. Uh, if Campana's gone and Martinez is gone and Messi is gone and Robert Taylor's gone, you're talking about Robbie Robinson as a striker, uh, Farias, you know, the new young Argentine. You're going to have Farias. Uh, you're going to have um, Aviles will be available. Uh, you know, they're probably going to have to bring some guys from the second team from the Inter-Miami second team are probably going to have to come play because uh, they're going to be missing a lot of players. And But it's only going to be for that game of the ninth right now, the game against Kansas City. And it is a week or not the strongest opponent, but still it's they're going to be missing a lot of players for that game on the ninth. So this game against LA is really huge and it's going to be really difficult. And I, I'm, I'm eager to talk to Kevin about that because this is a high profile team, a defending champion, a team with stars. And speaking of stars, I'm sure a lot of celebrities are going to be on hand there in L.A. to watch this game, uh, as they have been here at the game last night. Uh, Gloria Estefan was here. Floyd Mayweather was here. Ken Griffey Jr., all kinds of, you know, uh, all sorts of people were here, DJs and all these people that I don't know because I'm old. But they're very famous, <laughs> according to my daughter. Influences and DJs, I don't know that much. But uh, anyway, so I think the stars are going to come out in L.A., and uh, that's a very good, very, very good team. And that's going to be a very difficult game for them to win on the road. Maybe maybe we need to bring Sophie on one of these days for a the celebrity segment uh, real quick to talk to give us our, give us a run. <laughs> who are all these who are all these celebrities? And she'll write me like, Mom, so and so is there. They just showed so and so. I'm like, who's that? I have yeah, no but, idea. But Ken Griffey, you know, what's funny. Ken Griffey taking pictures. And I forgot about that. And I saw the guy behind the goal and I was like, yeah, like Ken Griffey lookalike behind there. And then I saw the tweets and I'm like, oh crap, it is Ken Griffey. Like what, what is he into was... photography? I mean, what's what's with that? He's into photography? Yeah, I I, I had forgotten about that, but then it, it kind of it rang a bell and then I looked up and I remembered that I think that's something he's been doing now in you know post baseball career. And interesting that a day he picks the enter Miami and he picks the well, I mean, what if you're gonna pick anybody on the soccer realm, this is the this is the place to be right now with Messi. But but it was kind of funny that just the camera just went right past him and i was like man that guy looks like ken griffey and all of a sudden it really and was. it was it was yeah. i want to go back for a minute to uh talk a tiny bit more about about benha and drake calendar being yeah. called in for the u.s national team because that's really big news for both of them drake has been working his way to there and he got to he got to get called into a camp earlier this year so this is his second camp and he really we talked to greg berhalter yesterday the u.s coach and he said that, you know, Drake has steadily made a steady ascend and, you know, ascent and he has worked his way into the lineup here. He's one of the three keepers for this, for these two games coming up. And uh, he has just worked extremely hard. He's still very young for a keeper, 25 years old. You know, he doesn't have that much international experience, but he's been playing out of his mind for Inter Miami. He's definitely been one of the top keepers in MLS. So it's really, you know, wonderful for him to see him rewarded for all the hard work and, and how well he's been playing this year. And obviously 
everyone on this team, there's more of a spotlight on them since Messi came. Everyone is watching these games. And Kamal Miller talked about that last night too, that he said, this helps all of our careers because there are more eyeballs on every single player on this team than there right. ever were before. There are you know, people in Europe, people in South America, all over the US, national team coaches. Everyone is tuned into Apple to watch these games, which is you know, wonderful for Apple. It's wonderful for Leo Messi, who's getting a cut from every one of those subscriptions. But it's also good for all the other players on this team because they are getting exposure that they weren't getting before. And uh, for Ben Hot and for Drake to be called into the U.S. national team, is, it's a really big deal. Uh, for Ben Ha being 18 years old, we're talking about a guy, he's the youngest guy called into this camp. And, uh, and Greg Berhalter said he wanted to stress when I asked him about, I asked him about Ben Ha, what, you know, about his feelings on him. He said, I want to stress that we were on this guy pre-Messi, way before Messi, because in October of last year, October of 22, Ben Ha was with the U.S. under 20 team. And they did a camp where they had the U.S. senior team with the under 20s training together. So Ben Ha was training with the senior national team. And Greg said that he and all the other coaches were very, very impressed with him. That at 17 years old at that point, he was more than holding his own with the senior national team and that he was so tenacious and relentless and he called it he said he was running himself silly he was just running 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 all over the field and they were very very impressed with his energy then once this season started and he got more of a of a, a key role with the team he had a couple of really good assists early on before Messi got here obviously since Messi got here his star has risen even more and he's become even a bigger deal but anyway uh the U.S. national team wants to bring him in and start to get him to know everybody because he is a dual national with the US and Argentina. And he may get pulled from Argentina as well. He has played for both youth national teams. He's played for the US, he's played for Argentina, and Messi is his teammate now. And there are other right. Argentine players on that team as well. Farias is now his teammate, Aviles is his teammate. These are guys who are his peers who are gonna be maybe called up at some point to the Argentine national team. So they're going to try to pull him to the Argentine national team. And then the U.S. wants to kind of, you know, make sure that he knows they want to show some love early on so that when he does have to make that decision, they will show that they were there from the beginning also and that they didn't come in late once Argentina starts calling. So he's going to have a very difficult decision to make maybe at some point. That point is not now. Let's, uh, you know, he's only 18. We're not saying he's ready to start in a World Cup. But at some point over the next three years, he may get pulled from both Argentina and the United States, and it'll be interesting to see which which way he goes. Yeah, and, but it's a very good point about the exposure part because we see it in different sports where this is why players want to play on these, you know, quote-unquote, like super teams, and that's kind of what Inter-Miami is starting to become. You're starting to think that could be the case. But, um, you know, speaking of those super teams, um, let's talk a little bit about that craziness because, Michelle, you've seen – over and over during this run, how crazy it's been. You saw it in New York when uh, the Red Bulls game and with the scene that Messi had there. He can't get out of a restaurant these days without getting mobbed. We're going to bring in our, our buddy Kevin Baxter, a former colleague at the Miami Herald, now covers LAFC. As we mentioned before, we're going to have him on this show. Um, Kevin, just uh, for starters, we are talking about that craziness. How, how is the scene in L.A. going to be? I was even reading one of your stories that a guy sold a ticket for $650. 
What, what, what kind of madness can we expect in L.A. this weekend? Well, one of the things that's different about LAFC is they, they their season ticket base is about 86% of capacity for, for BMO Stadium. It's 22,500-seat stadium. With the exception of the COVID era, they have never played before an empty seat in an MLS game. So the point is they the team did not have a lot of inventory that they could sell um, to take advantage of Messi. So they, they actually sold some standing room tickets for $300. Uh, and they sold out within minutes of going on sale. So it, it's pretty nuts. But, um, you know, I think you're going to see what you saw in, in some other places where I, I don't think Messi's going to get booed. But I don't know um, what kind of reception he's going to get. And I say that because the supporter group here, the 3252, they've been sending out messages all week saying, if you're coming to the supporters section, you cannot wear a jersey of another team. You can't wear an Argentine jersey. can't wear any pink. Um, hmm. So no jerseys, no no pink clothes. Everybody in that section has to wear uh, LAFC stuff. So um, they're preparing for Messi. Um, it, it was interesting. I, I did talk to some team officials the other day, and this being LA, you've seen Laker games, you know, the courtside tickets go to celebrities. And uh, I asked whether any celebrity, if they held tickets back for any celebrities. And they said, we always hold a couple back in case the president of the United States is in town and <laughs> wants to come to a game. That's not going to happen. But they did say that they did get some calls from celebrities. They wouldn't name them who wanted to come out and see a game. And they said, look, you know, we've been here six years. That's the first phone call we got from you guys. No, you don't get in. We're going to give them the people who have been here. And there are some celebrities that are big fans like Brendan Hunt and Jason Sudeikis from Ted Lasso. Owen Wilson comes to games all the time. Those people will be there. But you're not going to see uh, maybe a Denzel Washington's not going to show up and get a ticket all of a sudden. Yeah, well, before I, I think I, I... – when I moved on to the topic, I didn't say welcome to the show. We thank you for being here, Kevin. Sorry about that. But, you know, a lot of fond memories from working with you. And um, just what do you think, just from a soccer perspective? I mean, you know, Michelle and I were talking a little bit about, you know, they finally, somebody finally, they haven't lost yet with Messi, but somebody finally was able to to duel them to a draw. And then without obviously going to the PK round the way they did in the tournaments, that, you know, what it kind of a... What can you expect from LAFC, how they're going to approach yeah, do you it? Think, right, right. Nashville yeah. played just, you know, an ugly defensive style, but it worked. Right. I mean, they just had like nine defenders and, and hey, it worked. They wanted to slow them down. They did. They frustrated the heck out of Messi. They frustrated the heck out of the entire team. And they come away with a draw. With For, for Nashville, that was a win. For Miami, that was a loss. And, you know, Kamal Miller said after the game, we need to get used to this because other teams are going to see this and other teams are going to start doing this. Do you see LAFC as a type of team that would do something like that or are they just going to keep on going the way they play? Well, first of all, nice to see both of you guys again. Yes. Um, yes. It's, it's funny that you guys mentioned that. And, you know, Nashville did it without their best defender, Walker Zimmerman, who didn't play. Right. Um, but I talked to a number of people, obviously, in the lead up to this game. One, one of them was my old friend, Sasha Klistian, who used to be uh, Galaxy captain, now is a, a, an analyst for Apple TV. And he said, without any prompting, he said, I think this game with LAFC is going to be Inter-Miami's first loss. And he said the reason he thought that is they're coming in after a midweek game. LAFC did not have one yesterday. Uh, they're having to travel across the country. Um, you know, they played a lot of games in a short period of time. Um, the, the roster is older than it was a couple of months ago. Uh, so Sasha's already predicted that this will be the first loss. And I did talk to some LAFC players, primarily Giorgio Cialini, the former Italian yeah. national team captain. He hasn't had in his career has had surprisingly a ton of success against Messi in Champions League games. He played them, I think, in the last five or six games he played them. 
Uh, Messi did not score. In fact, Barcelona uh, didn't score a ton. Messi did not score at all, just a penalty kick in stoppage time in one game that was already decided. And Cialini says you cannot stop Messi one-on-one. You can't put one guy on him and stop him. It's not going to happen. You have to put two or three guys around him, and that opens the field up for other people. And that's why he said we're going to have to play a team defensive game. Um, you know, the guys that are going to mark Messi, they have to know that, uh, you know, other people have their back and, and are backing them up. Um, he expects uh, sort of an all-out uh, assault on Messi, um, thinks that they have a pretty good game plan. But he also said he and, and Elia Sanchez said, we can't change our style of play. Um, we have to be cognizant of Messi, but we can't come in with an entirely new game plan that we have never used before just because we're playing against Messi. We know we know him. We respect him. He's a great player, but we're the defending MLS champions, and we have to play our style of game. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I mean, I see, I see LAFC doing what they always do, and like you said, I saw Chilean. I saw some of his quotes, too. He said, you know, anyone who thinks Messi is a normal player has not been watching him for the last 15 years the way he has and said, you know, that, that they're going to have to, it will take multiple people. And you saw how frustrated he was last night. He left that stadium, not in a good mood. You know, he had left, he was very smiley all the other games. This is the first game that he left very, very grumpy. And uh, he was very, very frustrated. So I'm sure LAFC will try to frustrate him as well. And then it just affects everybody else. You know, it just affects the entire team when he can't move around and Busquets can't move around and make space to do what they do. It makes it very difficult for this team. Well, I'll say another thing too. I don't know if you remember in, at the world cup in Brazil, um, Deandre Yedlin was on that team and they played against yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo of Portugal in the group stage. And I remember talking to Deandre and a couple of the other at that time, young players in the team. And Deandre was the one who said, I looked out on the field doing warmups and I said, that's Cristiano Ronaldo. We're playing against Cristiano Ronaldo. And at that point, it was done for DeAndre Yeslin. It was like, you know, he was intimidated and, and overwhelmed. Um, and I say that because I think there, there's an effect with that, um, with Messi, with some of the younger teams. And I don't know, I did not see the, the Nashville game in person, obviously. But, I, you know, a lot of these guys have not, young MLS players have not played against Messi, have not seen Messi. And the first time they see him, it is overwhelming. I say all that because, uh, LAFC has a number of players that know Messi quite well. Carlos Vela played eight years in La Liga, so he faced him at least twice a year. He saw him in good times and bad times. The point is, he knows Messi is a human. Denny Buanga played against Messi uh, when Messi was at PSG and Buanga was playing in, in Ligun. He has seen him in good times and bad times, knows what he can do, knows that he's fa fallible. Cialini has played on a defense that dominated Messi. So I, I think they go in with a ton of respect for him. Mm -hmm. um, again, Cellini, probably the greatest defender of his era, has already said Messi is not a person. But at the same time, they know that Messi is fallible. So I think LAFC has a little bit of an edge up in that they are going to play against Messi, the person, the great player, but the person and not Messi, the god, which I think some MLS and even Liga, M, uh, Liga MX teams uh, have sort of fallen into that trap that Messi is so good we can't possibly beat him. Yeah, Kevin, I wanted to ask you, too, just from your perspective. I mean, you like Michelle, and you've covered a ton of different sporting events over the years and on a global stage. Just this impact that he has, that, that, that he's had, on not only on the team, but the quick turnaround the league. We, we talked about it with Ray Hudson a couple of weeks ago. Have you ever seen anything close to this, just the way that so quickly this has just turned a league upside down, just to, like elevated a league's brand 
as much as he has in such a short period of time, or even a, not just a team, but like that, like a, a whole entire MLS? Well, I, I think there's two things, and, and I think you can even break it down to the international perspective and the national perspective. The U.S. and Miami and L.A. are two, two great examples. We're, we're big event cities. Um, you know, you can you can have a Beyonce concert, which, by the way, there's a Beyonce concert on Sunday <laughs> going up against the, the game. Oh, have, really? Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. You can have Taylor Swift concert, Beyonce concert. I remember when the World Cup came through in 94, the totally different time for soccer. Tons of people wanted to go to a game because they, they wanted to see Sweden play Cameroon. No, because it was the World Cup and they wanted to be part of a big event. And I think Messi feeds into that wherever he goes. It's like I People are like, I could care less about MLS. I don't know anything about soccer, but I know Messi and I want to be there and tell my friends I got to see that. That's one. The other thing is the international soccer perspective. And I think when Messi comes to this league, it's automatically just gives the, the league some legitimacy. Maybe it didn't have in some circles. I'm not saying that's deserved. I'm just saying maybe some people had not seen MLS and didn't take it seriously. And now Messi's there. And I think in, 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 when I talked to Sasha Kleschen, he was kind of of the same mind. He joined MLS in 2006, made his debut with Chivas USA, the year before Beckham. And he said there's two eras. There's the Beckham era when he brought in all these great players, Terry Henry, Zlatan, all those guys followed him. And then the Messi era. And he said, you're already seeing people look at the Messi era. And, you know, it's the life that what I think Messi is going to sell is not so much the money. He's made his money. He's getting paid a lot. Michelle, you reported $150 million. That's nothing to sneeze at. I'll take that in a heartbeat. But um, he's coming over for other reasons. And, and Sasha Kleschen said when Messi tells people about the lifestyle here and, um, you know, the stadiums and the facilities and things. It's going to bring other players. We've already seen Anton Griezmann say he's coming. Uh, Holland from uh, Manchester City, my team, he's already talked about, you know, perhaps when he's at the end of his career, he'd like to come over. He's not ready to come yet, but he might come over. These are guys that you never heard in the conversation about MLS before. And so I do think it has changed things. Um, it, for MLS, though, that brings pressure, right? The opportunity is there is now there. They need to seize it and they need to make it work. Yeah, I think the other thing is even young players too, like young players from Latin America who are going to decide who automatically would be looking at Europe. I mean, Europe was always where you wanted to go from Argentina, from Colombia, from Brazil. Now, if Messi, if Messi, Busquets and Alba, if this league is good enough for them, hey, Maybe this is good enough for me, and I want to get a chance to go and play against Messi or play with Messi. I think it definitely gives more clout to the league than it had before. It gives more legitimacy to the league. And also, as far as just global eyeballs, I can tell you that this podcast, which thank you to everybody who's been watching on YouTube and listening, I've gotten notes on here, uh, comments after, from Gabon, from Tangier, from Bahrain, from Honduras, Nepal. There are people watching Inter-Miami games that were never watching Inter-Miami games before, never watching MLS. In fact, a lot of fans have emailed me and emailed me questions such as uh, they don't even know how the league works. And they were saying that maybe we should do a whole podcast about how does this league work and the rules and, you know, the roster rules. And I'm like, forget that. That will put everybody to sleep. If we start talking about the roster rules of MLS, because I can't even barely understand them. But, you know, just rules such as some people have written me ask, early on asking, oh, well, if they finish last, are they going to be relegated? You know, if they finish in last place, like they don't even know what the playoff system is. They've never seen MLS. They don't know about playoffs versus relegation and promotion. So this 
just having Messi here is having people, soccer fans all around the world are tuning into a league that they never, ever had tuned in before. They're tuning in to see Messi, obviously. But while they're watching Messi, they're seeing other teams. They're seeing other players that they might decide that they like. And, I mean, this is just an incredible opportunity for MLS to seize. Absolutely a huge opportunity for them. Well, you make a good point because that wave of South American players had actually started before Messi. We, we have people like Miguel Amaron and Diego Rossi, Jose Cifuentes. Now we're getting Africans like Mama Dufal. <clears throat> These are players that, that wanted to come to MLS because they saw it as better than their domestic leagues, but they thought they would be seen in Europe. You're absolutely right. They wanted to go to Europe, but they saw this as an intermediate step. And a lot of them mm -hmm. have done that. Amaron's gone to Europe. Mama Dufal consigned shortly with Barcelona. We, we've seen Diego Rossi go... Jose Cifuentes now with Rangers, um, or excuse me, uh, yeah, Jose Cifuentes now with Rangers. Um, but now with Messi in the league and, and the, those eyeballs, that I think that movement's even going to grow because now you you come to this league and you know you're going to be seen in Europe. That was the whole idea. Now there's not an idea of, gee, you know, maybe someone will stumble across a game tape. Now it's like, hey, when I play into Miami, I know everybody's watching. That's got to be my A game. There is a drawback, though, and this is something I've written about, and, and uh, it's proven to be a little bit controversial. Perhaps some people disagree uh, strenuously, and you guys may disagree, too. Uh, Messi has, you know, they won the League Cup. They're in the U.S. Open Cup final. But the team was last in the MLS standings when Messi, Jordi Alba, and, you know, the whole inner Barcelona gang came in. Um, if they make a long run in the playoffs, I wonder what that will say to outside people around the league, the idea of, look, you guys play two-thirds of your season without these guys. One transfer period, you bring in three players, and now all of a sudden you're one of the best teams in the league. Is the league really that good if you can do that? I mean, could you imagine uh, a last-place team, uh, you know, in, in in La Liga all of a sudden adding three players and then winning the championship? Well, they don't have playoffs, so it would be more difficult. But my point being, if, if LAFC has this six-year plan to get good and, and Philadelphia has this great academy and uh, FC Dallas builds through an academy – but Inter-Miami has one transfer period where they spend a little bit of money and bring in three players and they win the championship. What does that say about the league? And so, in a sense, if Miami doesn't make the playoffs or at least doesn't make a long run, that, that's actually a good thing for the league. It's a bad thing for Inter-Miami, perhaps, but it's a good thing for the league to say, we yeah, can Otherwise, it's an indictment. Right. Right. Otherwise, it's kind of an indictment of the league. Like, well, this league isn't that good if Messi can come in here and score every single game at will and they win every game. So, you know, now you saw Nashville, you know, Nashville stopped them. Nashville yeah. stopped them and, you know, they got a tie. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and, and what the perceptions are for sure. And I, and I think we've seen a lot of that, even from average fans, like I said, that haven't really followed it before. They're like, of course he's going to step in. That's a third-rate league and he can dominate right away. Now, you know, it, it's, it's, it's that double-edged sword where you get the good side of it, but then if this – you know, if that becomes a trend or you see it like that, then it's going it, to, what does it say about the league? I don't know. How, how do you, Kevin, in two years, two and a half years, when, you know, let's say he, let's say this goes well, this continues to go well, but the sustainability factor beyond it, how do you kind of see that playing out? Well, it's interesting. You know, first of all, I, I don't know what the stadium deal was. The stadium deal hadn't gotten done and Messi comes in and it gets done. To, from the outside, it looks like cause and effect. Um, yeah. Oh, no stadium deal. Oh, Messi's here. Okay, let's build the stadium. Um, so it, it's all, he's already having a huge impact apart from what's going on on the field. Uh, when I talked to Elias Sanchez, I made the point of we've seen other players come in 
Beckham won three titles, but he won them with after Robbie Keane came in. Robbie Keane was really the difference in that. It was a, a good team. But Zlatan scored 50 goals in 54 games, didn't uh, only won one playoff game. Uh, we've seen other guys come in, score a bunch of goals, and have an impact. Gareth Bale, you know, scored the goal in the MLS Cup final. But Ilya Sanchez's point was that's not dominating. You know, coming in and scoring 50 goals in 54 games and winning one playoff game, that's not dominating. He said if Messi's going to dominate, he needs to win a couple of titles like Carlos Vela has. He said Carlos Vela's won two supporter shields, set the scoring record. That's dominating. And so that's the next step for Messi. Winning a lot of games uh, is a good thing, and scoring a lot of goals is a good thing. But domination, the the, the whole point of the game is to win t- titles and win trophies. And he's won one um, League's Cup. It's not the supporter shield. It's not MLS Cup. That's sort of the next step. It, you can't say that Messi, in Ilya Sanchez's point, you can't say Messi dominated the league unless he wins a bunch of trophies. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll see where that goes. But certainly, Messi's got people to pay attention to MLS. It's on everybody's radar. I think back to talking about the Beckham effect um, in the 2010 World Cup, and I know you were there too, Michelle, in South Africa. I had a Galaxy T-shirt on. I went down to the hotel. Um, gift shop to get something and all of the workers in the in the gift shop the south african workers all pointed at the shirt and said beckham david beckham they didn't know galaxy they didn't know mls they knew david beckham and they associated him with that logo that's what's happening right now with messi people all over the world as michelle said the people sending her emails probably don't know sporting kansas city or they don't know uh who plays for the seattle sounders but they see the inner miami logo and they associate it with messi and mls yeah, and they don't really care about their playing. They're just watching for him. I mean, I know the Argentine. I have a couple of friends from Argentina that that they're they were just you know stoked because of him and like him, like that and many others. So yeah, and it'll be interesting to see. Another thing, he's not coming over here like Steven Gerrard or Frank Lampard. You know, at the end of their career, where where they're pretty much done. And and right. you know, to be honest, I saw Steven Gerrard. He was not all that interested in being here. Um, he's coming over after winning probably the greatest World Cup final ever um and and winning that first world cup i I think he was the only player in europe last year uh, last season to have 20 goals and 20 assists in all competition um he is not at the top of his game as some people said he slowed down a little bit but he's so much smarter now that maybe the speed that he had early in the game in, in his career is gone but the intelligence makes him better you'll see him walk through games as Chiellini oh, said, yeah. he'll, walk through, he'll walk through a game for 89 minutes, and then with 10 seconds to go, he takes off and scores the winning goal. That's that intelligence that he's gained. So it's not like he's come over at the end of his career for a paycheck. He's still a dominant player. and, and Oh, he's and a dominant of, player, and he's, very, and he's very hungry, and he's very passionate. He is really passionate. I mean, he is... He's gotten really, he's gelled with these players very quickly. He's teaching all the new guys what you just talked about. One of the main things that the young guys say that they've been learning from him is stop running around so much and using all your energy. Wait until the right time to run and then run. You know, he's trying to teach them how to pace themselves during a game, which he does. My husband, Dave, who's a funny guy, some of you may know, uh, he said that sometimes when you watch Messi, it looks like he's just some random guy who just strolled onto the field from the stands, you know? And then the next thing you know, he becomes Messi, you know? So, yeah, he he does his, he does a share of walking and strolling until he sees an opening, he sees a moment, he gets a pass from Busquets, and then, and then that's it. And then he scores, usually, except for last night. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be really fun. I think this, this L.A. game is going to be a huge challenge. It's going to be a very high-profile game. 
it's the last game before he goes off to Argentina to play for the national team. So there's a lot of pressure uh, on Miami to try to get the three points, and it's going to be a very difficult three points to get. Now, he's going to miss four games, correct, four MLS games, because there's a uh, – uh, uh, I don't World think so. No, I don't think he'll – I don't think he'll miss that many. He'll be back in time for the Atlanta game. Okay. And there may be there, there may be one or two others. It's not going to be four. It'll be two or three, Max. Because yeah. in October, he's got another window in October. Right. There is a window in October, but but Miami, the, the Miami schedule, it, it doesn't overlap as much. And, and you know, just briefly to, to point that out, I'm I'm hearing a lot of talk, and I'm sure you are too, that for the first time ever, MLS is thinking MLS about thinking not about playing through international playing. windows, which it's always yes. done before. And they didn't do that with Beckham. They didn't do that with Gerard. They didn't do that with Zlatan. They're doing that. They're considering that with Messi. And I think that is saying to the international players, you know, you're welcome to come here. This is not a retirement league anymore. We know that you guys have to go play for your national team, which wasn't a problem really with some of those other players. We know you guys are going to go play for your national team. We're not going to put these teams in the position of spending $150 million and losing their best player, you know, for six or eight weeks during the season. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to penalize. Miami has 10 players who are in national teams. You know, it, it doesn't make sense to penalize a team for having so many national team players. It means you've got a lot of good players on your team. And then you play through these, these FIFA windows and the rest of the league stops and MLS kept playing. I mean, I always had a problem with that. So uh, Tata said, he said it twice now in the last three days, that from what he's heard, MLS is definitely going to consider changing that for next season. Well, Kevin, thank you very much for joining us. It was great catching up with you, uh, you know, and, and we hope that it's not the last time. Maybe we'll get you on, a, you know, it doesn't have to be only one when, when Inter-Miami plays LAFC. We always appreciate your insights here, and uh, we always have fond memories of working with you back in the day. Well, what I miss about Miami most, aside from you guys, is the Publix Deli. So let's meet at Publix when I come back. <laughs> we'll hey, get you a pub Title sponsor, a title sponsor of Inter-Miami. I mean, that was the whole thing. <laughs> they are. They're a title sponsor. We could probably get you a free sub. There you go. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, guys. But definitely, thanks, right, Kevin. Thanks. And um, for we're uh, we're going to be signing off for this episode. But we wanted to thank everyone, as Michelle did earlier, uh, for watching, for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode and recapping Inter Miami's trip to LA and see how that went. But uh, for Michelle Kaufman, I'm Andre Fernandez. Thanks again for joining us, everyone. <laughs>